Thanks for listening. I am recording this episode on October 13th. Um, welcome to Mercury Retrograde in Scorpio. Um, the astrology for October is pretty rough. Um, so <laughs> this episode is going to be a bit of a mixed bag. Um, We'll start off by discussing the astrology for October, and then um, later in this episode, I'll sort of talk about some other um, seasonal subject matter, if you will, around um, certain customs that fall into the month of October, and generally just the um, customs of the the darker time of the year. So... um, a small retrospective. We began October 1st with the full moon in Aries. Um, this, of course, being in the sign that Mars has been hanging out in since June. Um, we're still currently in a Mars retrograde. So having a full moon in that sign, again, just sort of boosting that. Um, all those Martian qualities of rage and (laughs) impulsivity and um, having a short temper. So that's fun. Um, This was also the day that we found out that uh, the president had contracted COVID. Interesting little astrology tidbit. This full moon was in his eighth house, um, which is the house of... um, certain aspects of karma as well as death and regeneration so yeah um october 2nd venus moved into libra this is one of her ruling signs um venus here is fairly diplomatic and sweet and um light which is you know one one somewhat positive aspect of october's astrology it does get overshadowed um, by some other things going on. Um, Venus will be in opposition to Mars and Aries. Um, So that's another point of just planetary contention, if you will. Um, Venus in Libra has the capacity to be um, fairly generous and and kind and um, Diplomacy is the word that keeps coming up for me. And then, of course, Mars and Aries is just ready to throw hands. <laughs> so that's where we're at with that. Um, October 3rd, we had the Sun in Libra um, squaring off to all those lovely planets in Capricorn, Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto. Um, there's a lot of ongoing oppositions and squares this month, which is one of the reasons that it just feels... Um, it feels tense, and of course we can chalk that up to every crazy thing that's happening currently, um, especially if you live in the U.S., um, but the astrology certainly backs that up. So, um, And a square is an aspect that is essentially um, a point of tension. It's not quite the same as an opposition in the way that it feels. A square just sort of feels like, in my experience, um, a pressure like things are sort of coming to a head. So on the 3rd and 4th, um, the moon came together with Uranus and Taurus. Oh, Uranus. Um, it's funny because Uranus transits have been coming up a lot for some of my 
um, astrology clients, a lot of people that I um, work with w- with astrology have um, been experiencing Uranus hitting some of their natal placements. So Uranus is essentially the lord of chaos. Um, every planet has an ultimate goal as well as a method to achieve that goal. And Uranus uh, has the goal of liberation and like extreme personal liberty. So kind of being able to do whatever you want, say whatever you want. Um, It's also innovative, um, but when I'm talking more about just like human behavior, um, when it comes to Uranus, there's, there's... a sudden upset and um, rebellion of some sort. And I describe Uranus generally when I'm working with clients as either the the tower card in the tarot, that sudden um, strike of lightning, that sudden realization that things are different than what we thought, than what we expected. Um, or... I describe Uranus as like the table flipper, um, you know, getting the rug pulled out from under you, getting the, the table thrown up into the air with all the dishes flying everywhere. Uranus is, um, you don't generally see it coming, especially when we're dealing with personal transits. Um, but when it arrives, you certainly know at that point in time, so... It kind of does have this, um, depending on what other planet it's in contact with, it can have this explosive quality. And so when we have um, the moon, which of course is our emotions, our internal selves, um, sort of that, that introspective part of human psychology coming together with Uranus, um, emotions tend to be unstable for a bit. Um, so anything that we can do to, like, find better grounding is always encouraged. Um, yesterday, Jupiter formed a sextile to Neptune. This is a longer aspect that we've got going on. Um, and a a sextile is a harmonious aspect, but these two planets also can really love to escape, um, which is understandable given the circumstances of 2020, but certainly not always helpful. So, um, it's just important to find a healthy balance of like, you know, normal forms of everyday escapism that anybody needs, you know, watching a good show or making art or, um, you know, something that gives you a sense of levity when things get too hard, but it's also very important to remember to keep both feet on the ground, um, and pay attention as much as you can while staying, uh, mentally sane, which can feel like a lot to ask. (laughs) Um, but it, it is also good for like spiritual pursuits, um, those things might feel more appealing right now for a while, or you just might be able to sort of get in that headspace um, more easily. So again, just, you know, um, just use it wisely. And then, of course, today we begin our last Mercury retrograde of this year from October 13th to November 3rd. 
this Mercury retrograde is in the sign of Scorpio. Um, and it is in opposition to Uranus and Taurus. So, lots of unexpected news. Um, I suspect plenty of shocking revelations, secrets coming out. Um, this is both within the scope of like the larger picture as well as just our, our personal lives. Um, again, Uranus being that, that upset, that chaos, as well as the liberator. Um, and then Scorpio, the sign of Scorpio is, um, very private and secretive, but also very intuitive. And so Scorpio tends to know all the tea, but not spill its own, if that makes sense. Um, Scorpio energy has a lot of emotions, but it's very calculated and very cool on the surface. Um, so Scorpio is not a, an energy that lays all of its cards on the table. And so having uh, Mercury, the planet of communication and information processing, moving through the sign of Scorpio, um, especially in retrograde, is uncovering a lot of perhaps not so great information. Um, Scorpio has a lot of ties to shadow work and, and just generally shadow and things that are kept hidden. Um, so... Mercury retrograde through this sign tends to pull up the dirt. Um, we're already seeing that. And we've been in, you know, the shadow phase prior to this. Um, this retrograde in particular felt like it started early. Um, that might just be because Scorpio is a very potent energy, we'll say. Um, it is very noticeable. <laughs> so... Um, I tend to advise with this particular, um, with retrograde through this particular sign, certainly to just be very precise and careful about what information you share with others, um, with, with whom you share it. Even if you think it's harmless venting, um, you know, maybe to a coworker or to a friend, or if you're talking about very personal things, um, you want to really think about what you're sharing before you share it because we don't always know what someone else's intention is and we also don't know how um, how well other people respect privacy. Um, so just, you know, keep that in mind. Be wary of... Um, giving too much away. And if you, if you learn things about other people during this time, um, if, you know, some secrets are revealed to you personally, I would certainly say, um, keep them to yourself until retrograde is over, because it also might be a scenario, especially with the effect of Uranus, um, in opposition to this, that what, what you hear might not be true or might not be the whole story. Um, earlier this year when, um, Mercury and Uranus were in aspect, I think it was in March, um, it, that was when we saw, like, just insane misinformation and conspiracy theories, um, I mean, 
I'm a girl with strong Aquarius placements. I, I do appreciate a conspiracy theory, but I also like to keep both feet on the ground. So we're likely to see a lot, um, a lot more misinformation cycling through. So consuming media right now, um, I mean, it really hasn't been great all year, <laughs> for being honest, but especially right now, um, if you insist on consuming lots of media, just really think about what you're hearing rather than just um, believing it wholeheartedly. And I'm not saying, you know, like fake news, anything like that. I'm just saying, um, unfortunately, in a 24-hour news cycle, journalism can get very tainted. Um, and they're really just trying to like get ratings so they can sell more ads and everything's so sensationalized. Um, and there's something to be said for keeping the public in a state of chaotic fear. Um, we, we buy more things when we feel insecure, um, or when we feel afraid because we live in a capitalist society, which inherently, you know, the culture teaches us that buying things is good and money is security and possessions are security. So... Um, and in some cases that feels quite true. Um, certainly being able to pay your bills is a form of security, but, um, all, all of that to just say, please be careful about what you're taking in around this time. And if you hear some crazy shit, cross reference it between like three different sources. Don't just immediately assume that it's true. The proverbial cherry on the Sunday of this is, um, we also have Venus in, um, excuse me, um, Venus in opposition to Neptune, Venus in Virgo opposing Neptune in Pisces. Um, Venus has been in contact with Neptune a couple times this year, and that always sort of distorts our, um, our character judgments, our, our value judgments about people, about the people that we um, are connected to or desire to connect with. Um, Venus is sort of that attraction principle, and I don't, um, I don't mean that strictly romantically, but just generally Venus um, seeks connection through attraction, um, and seeks manifestation through attraction. So, um, Venus pulls things in. And Neptune, of course, is this very, um, ethereal and boundless energy of transcendence, but that very easily can get lost in, um, fantasy, in addiction, in just the, the general fog of rose-colored glasses. So when Venus and Neptune are in aspect, um, this means that what we are seeing in another, um, another person, or even potentially something like um, partnerships that come through business, we might be seeing things the way that we want to see them instead of seeing them for what they are. So that's always a caution. Um, it's like a honeymoon phase and Neptune 
um, lends that dreamy quality to Venus here. But when it starts to separate from this aspect, that's when the, you know, the sandcastle starts to crumble and reality comes creeping in. And then suddenly it's, oh, that's not what I thought it was. That um, proposition wasn't great or this person is actually not really who they're pretending to be. Um, so between a Mercury retrograde, uh, and a Venus, uh, Neptune opposition, I would say if you are not already in a relationship, maybe don't try to date right now. Um, because our, our ability to make good choices, um, is not, not, um, running on all cylinders this month for sure. Okay. Um, and that, that aspect, that Venus Neptune aspect will start to break apart around October 23rd. So it's not that long. Um, but just something definitely to keep in mind. Um, people who tend to meet around a Venus Neptune aspect, um, it feels very, you know, love at first sight, all that stuff. And then eventually just sort of crumbles into harsh reality. Um, <laughs> So just something to think about. And then October 16th, we have the new moon in Libra. Um, the sun, of course, well, the sun and the moon, because it's a new moon, will be in opposition to Mars in Aries. So this is another lovely opposition that we have going on. Um, yeah, just lots of pent-up rage, honestly. Um, the more that we can lean into those, um, qualities of Libra of like diplomacy and, and fairness and, um, social generosity of just like giving other people the benefit of the doubt is going to help us, um, get through this rough patch for sure. So, um, and then of course, October 22nd, the sun will move into Scorpio. Um, this is, is where we are having our Mercury retrograde. Um, so then the sun and Mercury will be in opposition to Uranus and Taurus. Um, more chaos, more unsettling revelations, if you will. Um, I'm, of course, suspecting, like, political bombshells. Um, so... It's funny, though, the whole, um, if you're familiar with, like, certainly American political discourse, the whole notion of October surprises leading up to elections, um, part of me is like, well, yeah, I mean, Scorpio season, like, <laughs> Scorpio just digs up all the dirt, so, um, that will be a continuing theme, I'm sure. And then on October 22nd and 27th, the moon will be hanging out with Neptune in Pisces. Um, very dreamy, very sleepy feeling. Um, potentially low energy or just kind of like spaced out and detached. Um, probably not the best day for getting a lot of constructive things done. A wonderful day for um, potentially making art just for the sake of it or maybe writing um, or just, just vegging out, just relaxing and giving yourself space, um, to sort of check out for a minute. Who doesn't need that? Um, 
And October 28th, Venus will be in opposition to the moon and Chiron. That can be quite um, a tender transit there. Chiron, of course, being the asteroid that um, has to do with our our psychological wounds um, that we sort of need to resolve or at the very least learn to live with. Um, so Venus in opposition, in opposition to that um, with the moon is just going to likely be um, bringing up relational wounds, um, wounds around like self-worth, how we value ourselves, as well as um, just like past aches from um, former relationships gone bad or even potentially friendships gone bad. So if you're feeling um, extra prickly or tender that day, um, cut yourself, cut yourself some slack. <laughs> October 29th, the moon meets up with Mars and Aries. That's another really kind of impulsive, um, emotional, but more, um, more leaning on the side of like anger and, um, rage, just like emotional impulsivity for sure. Also might have trouble sleeping. Um, Mars is still going to be squaring Saturn and Capricorn, so more of the same, you know, one step forward, two steps back. This feeling of essentially what feels like endless frustration, getting our hopes up or trying to plan something or trying to move on something, and then um, just having, you know, here's another obstacle, here's another delay, you can't get what you want right now. Um, that's the theme of most of 2020, but definitely the later half of this year. That continued Mars, um, Mars-Saturn square is just being caught between a rock and a hard place, or in this case, perhaps like a rock and a hot place, if we want to make like a Mars and Aries pun. Um, <laughs> so... I would definitely say not a great time to try to start a lot of new things, but rather sort of fortifying and protecting what you already have set, um, focusing on like what, what's stable in your life, um, what is worth holding on to, what is worth, um, yeah, f fortifying is just this word that again keeps like coming up for me. So it's really like propping up the good that you have, reinforcing the stability that you have. And um, I wrote a, a post on Patreon about the astrology for October and I called it protect your neck um, because that's, that's kind of where we're at currently. Um, and also that's sort of just like, generally dark half of the year advice, um, every year, but especially this year, just cause there's so much going on. Um, so learning to balance, um, you know, passion with constructive, um, measured steps forward or understanding the value of patience that you can have, you can be passionate without being impulsive and that comes just from um, maturity, which is ultimately Saturn's goal, is maturity and dignity. Um, and, you know, Saturn's going to win this one, so it's best to just lean into that. And then to finish out uh, this 
cosmic shit show of October. Um, on Halloween, we do have a full moon at 8 degrees Taurus. Um, this will be conjunct Uranus. And we'll be opposing the sun and Mercury in Scorpio. Um, so, as much as I love Halloween, um, this is likely to be a very unpredictable, potentially unstable day or two. Um, the, the moon coming together with Uranus and having that sort of emotional unpredictability, that rebellion, um, that chaos, and, and it being a full moon is just, um, difficult. We'll say that. It's difficult. <laughs> and then, of course, opposing, um, the sun and Mercury in Scorpio, still in Mercury retrograde until November 3rd, um, be safe in whatever activities you decide to partake in, certainly that day. Um, I, you know, if you can lay low, that would be advised. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to scare people. I'm just, um, the astrology feels very chaotic. And so the more still and calm and um, observant that we can become as a way to balance out the external chaos, that's a good thing. Um, so that's the astrology in a nutshell. Um, definitely check out in your own chart where the Scorpio Taurus axis falls for you, what houses those are in. There's going to be a lot going on. Um, as well as still, you know, the whole Aries Capricorn square situation, um, whichever houses rule those signs for you, um, or are ruled by those signs for you are the source of your frustration largely right now. Um, and that won't really be able to start, um, gaining traction and resolution until, you know, until next year, early next year. Um, so that's the astrology. Now, moving into discussing um, October customs, general things about um, the darker half of the year. So Libra season um, begins with the equinox, and the equinox is when light and dark are equal, um, as far as, you know, the amount of daylight and the amount of nighttime that we have, it's equal. And then um, in the northern hemisphere, we start to move into a time of where night is lasting longer than the daylight. So you'll see a lot online about um, shadow work. I, I feel like a lot of people don't, a lot of people who use that term don't know what it means. Um, and perhaps that should be its own, <laughs> its own episode, but shadow work is not simply, um, you know, be being hedonistic, even though that can be part of it. Um, it's not so much about giving into every desire and just sort of letting your shadow run the show. Um, and it's also not about denying the shadow. So when we talk about this, 
theme of balance, which rules everything, essentially, in nature. Um, And, you know, to be healthy, especially psychologically and physically, um, we need to be in a state of balance, which is really what Libra strives for. Um, So being able to, rather than reject, um, being able to integrate and um, it makes me think of the process of alchemy, and so not not from a physical sense and like you know turning something into gold, but alchemy um, is a is a process. So if we use it as a tool for um, you know our our own psychology, if we're trying to transcend or process something difficult. Um, it doesn't happen overnight and a measured thorough process is best, um, to get the best results. So in alchemy, the first stage is calcination and you're dealing with, um, burning the impurities out of a substance, um, which is very harsh and you use, um, you know, if you're doing physical alchemy, um, you know, acid or fire, And it's essentially a destruction of everything that is not inherently of the substance that you are starting with um, or the substance that you are aiming to refine. Um, And that would essentially be, you know, shadow work if it's not gone into willingly is generally triggered by some sense of falling apart. So realizing that something is is out of balance and it's not working anymore. Um, and that we're going to have to face that and, and deal with it because you can't keep going on, um, the way, the way that things have been. Um, and then you get into, uh, disillusion, um, making, making a solution of the substance, And then you um, do fermentation, and I'm just like glossing over the steps of the alchemy, um, because that would be like a forever long episode. Um, But you go through multiple steps to refine the thing you started with. And the goal is to get, you know, at the end of this process, you're going to get the purest form of the element that you started with, the material that you started with. It's just a process of refining. Um, So shadow work ideally is that you're not rejecting everything. Um, And you're also not pretending like there aren't bad things or impurities or shadow within yourself. So it's really about having the patience and maturity to pick apart things that are, that aren't working for you and understanding why they're habits or why you maintain certain relationships or connections or why you get stuck in a certain thing. Um, and then pushing yourself beyond it and learning to make better choices, healthier choices. Now, um, that's, largely, um, an introspective process, um, working on yourself, which ultimately I find to be the, the greatest, um, 
form of magic, if you will, um, if you're somebody who uses that word, um, certainly the most productive uh, form of work, working on yourself. And sometimes we're taught that that's selfish, um, but I don't mean this in any like grandiose way. I mean just truly like becoming a better, more mature, more grounded, responsible human being. If everybody did that, the world would be a much better place. So um, when we're dealing with shadow work, what we're really talking about is bringing, bringing the self into balance. Um, and that happens internally and externally. We figure out what's going on internally that is causing us to make bad decisions externally um, or just getting caught in bad circumstances, you know, however you want to frame that. Now, spiritually speaking, of course, um, this is a time of year where, you know, everybody talks about like the veil thinning, um, the, the darker half of the year, you know, all across various, various cultures, there's all these, um, traditions of ancestor veneration as well as, um, spiritual protection. So lighting bonfires, um, jack-o'-lanterns were a form of, um, protection of the home as well as, um, the spirit for the, the people that lived in the home. Um, you would leave offerings outside to the quote unquote bad spirits or just, you know, energies that you didn't want to come into your home. Um, so kind of keeping them pacified in a way. Um, I'm not going to talk about the whole history of Halloween because most people already know it. And if you don't, you can just Google it. Um, but the themes around this part of the year involve restoring balance by going into the shadow. So we have at least, you know, again, in the Northern Hemisphere, we're, we're coming up on winter, we have more time to ourselves, we have more time indoors generally. Um, it, it's a time of turning inward, but it's also a time of like refinement in the sense that um, you're not running around. I mean, it sounds ironic or silly or whatever to say it now, because of course nobody's being super social now <laughs> this year because of everything that's happened. But under quote-unquote normal circumstances, um, people are more social in the summer, the spring and the summer, they're out doing things, people take vacations, and then we come up to winter and it's really just, okay, like, hunker down, you know, we have the holidays, but that's about it. Um, so having time to yourself and using it wisely, and I think so many things about this year, be it this, you know, the last bit of Saturn and Capricorn, um, the Saturn Pluto conjunction we started the year with Saturn squaring Mars, um, Jupiter, yeah, Jupiter through Capricorn. It's really what I've noticed is that this year has rewarded in, in small ways, but but noticeable ways, given the context of this year, um, has rewarded responsibility and has rewarded patience and has rewarded um, maturity, 
And while we have to, essentially, most of us are really just trying to hold it together through the rest of this year, not, not that things are going to like magically change on December 1st of 2021, but, um, the astrological timing of things, a, a lot of this does fall around the end of the year. It just, it just works out that way. So in December, we have Saturn and Jupiter moving into Aquarius. Um, that's a, that's a pretty substantial shift. And I'm going to hold off um, my predictions for, <laughs> for what that will mean. Um, but being able to be alone with yourself, um, you know, a lot of us have had to do that this year and, and some people have thrived and some people have not. Um, but being able to really face your shit, face your life, um, weigh out what works and what doesn't, integrating, you know, pieces and parts of the shadow that, um, actually serve, you know, in, in some way and understanding that we have to sort of perform this seasonal culling of our, of our life and our habits. Um, I feel like these things were, much more tangible to our ancestors, especially people who lived in like agrarian societies, um, people who had farms, because <clears throat> you couldn't waste time. Um, harvest time was really important and you had to get it done. And if you rushed it or you didn't do it correctly, you know, your crops would spoil and you would have a really rough winter. So in our modern lives, um, we do have all these wonderful conveniences, but we've also sort of lost that edge of responsibility um, because a lot of things aren't as life and death as they used to be, or they just feel much more abstract as though it's not our personal responsibility anymore. It's kind of this collective elephant in the room that very few people are taking responsibility for and being held accountable for these things. Um, it's all out there. And so we've removed ourselves from a lot of the, the required work of, of being a human um, and being a human whose actions affect other humans. Um, so it's important to remember that. Um, the, so going back to this theme of balance, you know, balance is not standing still. Balance is if you've ever, if you've ever tried to balance on like a beam or a rope, um, or a ledge and it's just barely wide enough to hold your foot, you know, you're, you're making all of these tiny rapid adjustments as you move, um, to, to balance, you know, so it might from far away look like you're being slow and still, but up close and within your body, certainly you realize how all of these tiny little adjustments keep you from falling on your ass. And that's life. Um, a series of adjustments that 
keep our heads above water and an unwillingness to make those adjustments um, doesn't tend to end well. So when we are looking at this current situation in society of just vitriol and chaos and um, destruction and finger pointing and um, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors and, and it's hard to find um, ground to stand on in the midst of it and it feels you know, I think the chaos this year especially is extremely palpable and it is frightening. Um, and I think that is something that a lot of people are either not acknowledging or not realizing that this is a shared experience. So this uncertainty of the economy, of society, of um, our political institutions, nothing is certain anymore on a literally day-to-day -day basis and that's not something our society is used to um, but I think a lot of people don't pause long enough to realize that this uncertainty is universal so even people who aren't necessarily in agreement with you on a lot of things are feeling the same fear, the same um, panic and anxiety, and for whatever reason, something that should have been a common enemy that we could all sort of come together and rally around has instead been fragmented into this sort of nebulous, um, you know, nobody knows what's going on, nobody knows what to do. I mean, some people do, but, you know, the message being put out there is, is one of chaos. Um, and it, it's kind of turned into this, like, snowball. Um, it's like this egregore of just, like, people keep feeding it, right? So there's no stability. Um... So trying to find balance within that comes down to understanding, you know, I can't, I can't do anything about most of that by myself as an individual. The only thing as an individual I can change is, you know, I'll try to, try to keep my shit together, try to behave better out in the world when I encounter other people, um, and trying to stop feeding the chaos and that can either be terrifying or comforting um, narrowing the scope down to the few things that we as individuals can control while also realizing that we are part of a collective um, and in America in particular I feel surprised and confused by the fact that for a, you know, nation that is founded on this principle of, like, individual responsibility, right? Like, you 
are meant to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you're meant to succeed by hard work and you're meant, you know, and it's all this focus on like the individual, um, but not individual responsibility within the group, you know, within the collective. And so it's not really that surprising then to notice how fragmented our entire culture has become. Um, so trying to restore balance simply by learning to take charge of your own narrative of your own existence and your immediate surroundings and refusing to perpetuate habits and emotions and um, energy that that just perpetuates the fear and the chaos. Now, this is not saying that everything's going to be great and just positive vibes only. Like, that's horseshit. Don't. That's not what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but just being able to slow yourself down enough to stop and you know, make those necessary adjustments within your own life so that you can at least keep yourself from hitting the ground and maybe through that help a few other people maintain sanity and maintain some form of emotional security and um, rationality and compassion. Um, I... There's this great podcast um, called Rune Soup by um, Gordon White, and it was a very early, actually, I think it was last year, um, he was talking to somebody about the, you know, the expectations of 2020, and I remember him saying, it's the year that we have to be, we don't only have to be our own light, but we have to be each other's light. And that sounds pretty, um, but I'm not talking about spiritual bypassing. I'm talking about like doing the work of fortifying yourself, your life, your mental health, um, your emotional stability, so that in a sea of insanity, <laughs> you know, maybe your life raft, and I, I don't mean that as in like you're going to save the world. But just like maybe you can help one or two people and it's this ripple effect. Um, and I think that's something that is worth trying um, to get through the rest of this year. So being patient with yourself, being willing to catch <clears throat> the moments when we are drowning in in fear and anxiety about things that we truly cannot control and narrowing that focus down into like here's what I can actually do and that is very Saturn in Capricorn as Saturn kind of finishes up its time in Capricorn um that ability to fully assume responsibility at, at least for yourself um, at least for your unique life, um, because it's also, I mean, it is, it sounds cliche, but it's true. Like you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't, you can't save somebody drowning if you don't know how to swim. And I'm seeing a lot of that, um, online. I'm seeing a lot of people who <clears throat> I think, 
probably have good intentions, um, on some level, but this notion that, um, you know, I don't know how to phrase it because I don't want to sound callous, um, but this notion that, like, any of us has all the right answers feels very arrogant, especially this year, and it's really about, like, collectively coming together and finding the solution instead of, you know, thousands of different people screaming, this is the only way. So restore, restoring the balance by restoring your life. Um, and then one last thing I do want to say is sort of tying into um, ancestor veneration, which comes around um, more frequently this time of year. So ancestor veneration is something that is found in almost every culture, but is not really found in Western culture all that much. Um, I don't know if it's stemming from like a Judeo-Christian belief in like once your loved one passes on, they're, you know, they're not here anymore, they're in heaven or whatever. Um, a lot, you know, so you're supposed to just like kind of forget them and let them go. And, and I think, um, on the one hand, I can understand how that would help, like, the grieving process to think, oh, they're in a better place, you know, that whole thing. But I also think it it really fragments us and disconnects us um, from a feeling of belonging that's clearly missing. And this isn't, this isn't to say that, like, you know, not everybody has a great relationship with their family. Families are very complicated and difficult, and you cannot pick them. Um, but that being said, this, this fragmentation from our roots, from our ancestry, from our family, um, learning to bring that back into your life, whatever your religion, um, I, I don't think it matters personally. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that, I mean, you don't even have to be a religious person, um, to practice something like ancestor veneration. So having a space and a practice where you take a moment to just acknowledge that you exist because a lot of other people survived the struggles of their lives, um, is very, it's, it's both humbling and empowering because it reminds you that you didn't get here all by yourself and you're not the only person that suffered. Um, but it's empowering to realize that you come from a long line of people who, you know, made it this far. And there's a few, there can be a feeling there of like accountability. And so looking at ancestors, um, however you want to connect to them, whether, you know, you believe in the spirit realm or you just believe in energy, or if you just believe it's psychological, like whatever works for you, um, having that feeling of accountability of like, man, you know, these people did not go through everything they went through and suffer so that I can be, you know, so that I can live a half-life. Um, and, and I don't think that the hyper-productivity mode of life is 
always the healthiest option. Again, balance. But um, understanding that, you know, you have this wealth of history that ultimately, you know, your ancestors want you to thrive, period. Um, They wouldn't have had children if they didn't believe in a hope for the future, you know, and that's one thing about the American dream that like people can say what they want. I, but I do think it's a good story. It's a good myth. It's a good narrative. It's a good egregore to have in a culture of, you know, understanding that you are building something that will go beyond you in the sense of like, I'm going to work hard so that my children can have it better than me. And ideally the goal there. Um, would be that everyone does better. And, and it's this, this lineage of, of love and dedication and hope and a belief that things can get better. And I think sometimes that's really difficult for us to see, especially as Americans. We've kind of lost that, um, that part of our narrative or our identity. Um, and, and I say this as somebody who has a lot of indigenous, you know, indigenous Native American within my ancestry. And that, that narrative of taking responsibility for future generations, for the well-being of future generations, is not uniquely um, Western or, you know, quote-unquote American. Um, that is also an indigenous culture, and it's, it's a responsibility of doing your part to make the world better so that when you leave your kids, your grandkids, whoever, you know, even if you don't have kids, the people that you, that you love, their children have better opportunities, better environment, better society. So, um, your ancestors have your back essentially. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to get at. So using um, that connection and and strengthening it and developing it, I do find is easier this time of year. Um, Although ideally it would be like a year-long practice, a lifelong practice. It does feel um, like something, you know, the shift in energy, whatever, whatever it is, Uh, facilitates that better this time of the year. So a piece of homework um, (laughs) that I'm offering to you, but I'm also going to be offering more in depth um, on my Patreon is just learning to develop that connection and creating a space to honor the people who got you here today, got you where you are today. And being able to connect with that daily, even for just a few minutes, is like this beautiful um, fuel to propel you forward and to hold you accountable for what you do in the world and what you're capable of. Um, I just, I don't know, it just feels intuitively, it feels like the helpful thing to do. Um, It certainly helped me. And... If you are somebody who is, you know, magically inclined, um, this practice, you know, praying or, or meditating or connecting, you know, again, it's all words, whatever, whatever works for you, 
building that relationship to your ancestry and being able to call them for guidance, for help, for protection is so much more immediate than, you know, invoking deities and, um, working with like astral energy. Not that there's anything wrong with those things, of course. Um, but being able to, it's just such a more direct connection because they're literally in your DNA. Like you have this storehouse of power, um, and it's there and it's just waiting. It's dormant. So the, the better that we can develop that connection, I think the, the more fortified people we can be, um, the more solid and protected and, um, ideally dignified our lives can be, the more purpose we can have. I I just feel like that's useful. And so because that's something that's already within the, the customs, the culture around this time of year, it's something I would just recommend, um, again, as a measure to restore balance, especially this year, we've been so isolated. Um, we've been so cut off and so remembering you're not really alone. Um, and I don't mean that as like a band-aid for <laughs> social isolation because it's been really fucking lonely, but truly like you're not, you're not alone. Um, these people got you where you are. You exist because they existed and they survived and they, you know, through hard work and hope and love, here you are. And that's something worth celebrating and remembering and honoring. So my two cents on trying to restore some kind of balance and realize like we are deeply connected and developing an animistic perspective generally just helps us remember that we are connected not just to um, our family, but to everything, to the earth, to resources, to other people, to strangers on the street. Um, we're all on this fucking rock together, and so we need to start acting like it um, if we want to continue to have a rock to live on. So there you go. Um, Yeah, thanks for listening. If you've made it this far, um, definitely would recommend beyond just the, you know, developing ancestry work, um, staging, warding your house, if that's something you do, um making some offerings just just with the intention of protection and not not made out of fear but just again that sense of like fortifying what you have um strengthening what you already have never a bad idea if you are interested in learning more um you can find my patreon at patreon.com slash practical underscore magic M-A-G-I-C-K. Um, I do have Instagram. I'm just beauty markings, all one word, on Instagram. Um, but I tend to put more of this type of stuff up on Patreon just because it's, um, it's separate and um, a little bit more private. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Hang in there. Um, I'll have some more stuff coming out later this month. And, you know, just, um, we're all just getting through it, right? So (laughs) take good care of yourselves. Talk again soon.